Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast. I'm your host, Jim Henry. Well, it's finally here, the Pro Tips book, 50 Pro Tips for Musicians, Practical Advice for an Impractical Business. It contains many of the tips we've discussed here on the podcast, personal insights about each one, and features original illustrations by Ruby Henry. To order your copy today, go to protipsformusicians.com. Funding for this and every show comes from generous listeners who each contribute a small amount every month. Patrons like Dino Catanio, Eric Giribaldi, Dan Zuckergood, Dan Tappan, Bob Fishman, Kristen Andrews, David Bryce, and the good folks at Cloud Microphones, Parlor Room, and Signature Sounds are just a few of the listeners who contribute because they believe in the podcast. This ongoing support makes it possible for me to continue to produce these shows. For as little as $2 a month, you can be a part of the Pro Tips family. In return, you'll get access to outtakes, music, and videos not available anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash jimhenry to find out more or to make a one-time only donation, go to protipsformusicians.com. Today on the show, we have Lorne Entrus. Lorne is a gifted drummer and a sought-after producer. His production credits include Grammy winner Lori McKenna, Mark Arelli, Katie Curtis, Susan Catanio, The Boxcar Lilies, Abe Loomis, Haley Reardon, and the list goes on and on. He's played for years with blues great Ronnie Earle and continues to play with former NRBQ guitarist Big Al Anderson. He was recently chosen to be the mix engineer for the anti-gun violence song By Degrees, which features Sheryl Crow, Roseanne Cash, Josh Ritter, and Tony Award winner Aeneas Mitchell. Lauren plays gigs all over New England as an accompanist, headlined shows with his band The Shinolas, and has recently stepped out from behind the drum kit to perform as a solo singer and guitarist. He's a thoughtful producer and a versatile musician whose gentle nature and vast experience allows him to get the very best performance from everyone he works with. I'm honored to have him on the show today, so let's say hello to Lauren Entrus. So hello, Lauren Entrus. Hey, Jim. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Thank you uh, for being a part of this today. I've been waiting to be a part. <laughs> You've been eagerly anticipating, right? Anticipating. <laughs> so, uh, as you know, you've heard a few of these podcasts. As you know, it's it's tradition to start off with a song. I'm prepared. Excellent. Sort I'm, of. <laughs> Let's do it. I 
Hey, so what a great tune that is. Yeah, that's an old uh, Red Norvo song. and uh, You were telling me a story about, the, about that song yeah, I before. Yeah, read, I read the lore behind that is uh, Hank Williams used to cover that in his concerts, and it was uh, sadly the last song that he supposedly sang before he passed away in his Cadillac. In the back of his in Cadillac. In the back of his Cadillac. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, it was, it's still a fun song to sing. Yeah, no, it's a great song. I'd never heard that one before. It's a great track if you seek it out. It's got oh, some amazing guitar playing on it and harmonies and all of that. Well, I did the best I could on <laughs> <laughs> short notice. <laughs> you did wonderful, Jim. Oh, thank you. So, uh, well, so this, uh, this leads me to uh, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is that typically uh, mo most people who know you know you as a drummer and know you as a producer and an engineer. But in the last year or so, you have... You have added another thing to your repertoire by doing uh, this the sideman series, correct? Right, yeah. which is where so you you are you step out as the frontman. I do. I started that uh, yeah, like you said, just a year ago, and I've always had like one foot in the water with singing, and depending on what project I was in, I'd be either heavily used as a background vocal vocalist or none at all. Right. <laughs> uh, because sometimes as a drummer, people don't just automatically turn to the drums to think that that's where vocals might right. come from. Well, you have to turn all the way around. to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, I don't know. I just had, a, I had about a month where I had a little bit of a lull and I started singing a bit more. And I thought, you know, I've never actually done a gig where I just sang songs 
and one thing led to another, and the idea of having great players that I've played with, like yourself, you've come down and paid a visit to the Sideman series, uh, just uh, the idea of just kind of blossomed into this thing where I do it once a month, and mm -hmm. people seem to really love it. Um, I enjoy getting better at something at my age in life. I mean, you can actually do that, which is sometimes surprising. Yeah. You think maybe you've hit your plateau and that's it, but I do see improvement on that. Uh, but the other the other cool things about singing is it, it just gives me a lot more insight into what singers have to go through right. in the production role or when I'm backing them up on a stage or whatever. It's right. like actually doing it, it's like, oh... This is this is what they have to do. Yeah, right. This is what goes on uh, in their this heads. This is psychologically in the whole bit. You well, know, that's I was curious about that because that's a that's a pretty big that's a pretty big leap from the back of the stage to the front of the stage. Like it's a whole other thing. So, I mean, I think it's 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 incredibly uh, 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 it's amazing, and I'm I'm odd that you actually did that because that's that's hard to do. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing for me is I'm not... Occasionally I'll write a song or I'll help somebody finish a song or something, but I'm not really a songwriter. That's mm -hmm. not my livelihood. So the the thing for me was just finding great kind of Americ Americana material in the broadest sense of the word. Uh, so having strong songs really helps. And then learning them and being prepared to go up there. Right. I certainly wasn't good enough to just grab a guitar and write right. it. I had to really sort of say, well, if I'm going to do this... I have to kind of right. be, you know, know what I'm doing to right. some degree. Put some so, time into it. Yeah, right? exactly. And it does take time, like anything. It takes yeah. time to do it well. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. You have to actually, if you're going to sing, you actually have to do it. It's like practicing any instrument. You have to sing all the time if you're right. going to do it. Yeah, exactly. So do you do that? So now it's it happens once a month. Do you, do you practice? Uh, in between times? I do. Uh, it usually gears up a little closer to the gig sure. where I put the heavier hours in. Uh, and a lot of that will depend on, you know, what's going on in my life. Have my, have I, do I have a mixed deadline or am I playing a string of dates with somebody? It's very hard to, uh, you know, a lot four, three, four hours to something right. every day if you're doing four different things right uh but i like the diversity of what i do in music so that's right. just just a part of it but the having it once a month really kicks your butt like at right. some point you have to if you haven't sung for a few days you know you've got to get your act together and i have to learn some new songs along the way too because i don't want to go in every time and just uh, do the same thing do the same old material so right. uh it's amazing how quickly once a month comes up isn't it it is <laughs> i mean i have a, i have a couple of once a month gigs and it just seems like they happen every week the time just kind of goes like that. Yeah, and I and I think it gives people a little bit of time to breathe and prepare because I have people that really enjoy it and they really love hearing all the different people come out and hearing the songs I'm singing but done with different folks. Like right. uh, next Tuesday, uh, Dave Dick's coming down to play mostly banjo and that will be all these songs completely will sound different, completely right? different. Yeah, you've had uh, bass players, you've had drummers, you've had a bunch of guitar players, and they all bring something different. Exactly. So we should mention where, what, oh, this when is it at is. The, uh, this is at the, the main pub in Manchester, Connecticut. It's usually the last uh, Tuesday of the month, but uh, that can veer off a little bit if it's a holiday kind of situation mm -hmm. or something. Um, but the main pub, you know in Manchester, and I promote it on Facebook. Uh, like you were saying, it's amazing how fast it comes along. It's actually amazing, too, how much work it takes to do one gig. Right. <laughs> because, you're, you know, you, you, 
it's an off-the-cuff gig. There's no rehearsal. Right. There's no budget for rehearsing. Let's, right. let's uh, be honest about that. But uh, so, you know, just pulling charts together, giving, getting people directions, doing a little bit of promotion. Uh, I enjoy it all, but it's, uh, it's not something you just... I'm so, I was so used to for years, as long as I knew what I was going to do on drums. My drums, you know, put them in the car or have them delivered and go do the gig and drive home. There's right. a lot more thought and preparation that goes into anything that you're fronting, and that goes back to what we were saying earlier, just having more insight into what singers go through right. when they're either doing a solo gig or having to front an ensemble of some right. sort, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't front the band often. I, I still do it once in a while just because I, I can do it, and right. it's, you know, it is a good skill to have, and I, I dust it off every once in a while, but... You know, it's a whole different animal. Yeah. It's a lot easier just showing up being the side guy. <laughs> it, it is. So, uh, all right, so enough about, enough yeah, about th you. Thanks, yeah, enough about... <laughs> Let's talk... So one of the, the main reason I wanted to have you on the podcast was to talk about producing and recording uh, music, which you do a lot of, right? We're here Correct. right now. We're in your studio here in Toland, Connecticut. Tolland, Connecticut. Tolland. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's Tolland. all right. Uh, and then, and this is, what's the name of your studio? Harmony Street. Harmony Street Studio. Though it's not on Harmony Street. It's not on Harmony Street. That's just uh, the name I give it. And, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I have a nice little studio here um, right off of 84 in Connecticut. And uh, for those musicians who travel around, it's about five minutes from Ryan's Deli. It seems like everybody <laughs> knows where Ryan's yeah, Deli is. Yeah, you mentioned is, that. So. I've never heard of that. Well, come on, Jimmy. <laughs> I have to stop there after <laughs> this. Yeah. So, so let's talk about let's talk about uh, I guess about producing first a little bit. Sure. Um, so I know I mean I do some producing as well, and uh, it seems to me that there are I just want to run this by you. There's there's really five stages to producing a CD or a, a recording, and that is the pre-production, the basics sessions, the overdub sessions, the mixing, and then the mastering. Yeah. Would you agree right. with that assessment? That sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> and the, um, so you, it, it, do you do all of those things? When you, when you take on a project, do you take, uh, are you involved in every single one of those? I'm involved in all of it except the mastering. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer to have somebody else, somebody else's ears master it because uh, those guys that are really good bring something extra to whatever project they're working on. Right. You know, that said, in these days, if it's sort of a one-off song and people need it sort of faux mastering to get it up to radio level right. or, you know, uh, streaming level and all of that, I, I can do that. Right. But if you're making, if you're putting your heart and soul and budget into a real record, um, then I like to ship it out to somebody who's... Right. Mastering. But other than that, yeah, I, it, it's all evolved. Originally, I was a drummer who produced and then I started to dabble in the engineering because uh for lots of reasons and that grew and grew and then I started mixing uh because there were a couple of small projects where there really wasn't a lot of budget and I said well I'll give it I'll give it a try mm -hmm. and I found that I really loved mixing um in fact sometimes I'll mix now for things I that I don't produce like um, you mean like people will send you they're right. already tracked yes. recordings and you mix them Exactly. Oh, nice. Yeah, like I, I mixed uh, Alistair Mook's last record, and uh, Mark Arelli had a song has a song out now called By Degrees. Oh yeah, which is a whole bunch of different singers. Oh, that must have been and, fun. Uh, that was really fun. It was probably the most 
uh, challenging mix because there were, what was there, half a dozen different singers? And it came um, from all different studios. and came from all different studios in all sorts of levels of doneness. You know, <laughs> here's a bunch of tracks right. uh, to here's like, I hard, barely had to do anything. Right, it's all, like, all polished. Uh, uh, Cheryl Crow, uh, was, Mark was fortunate to get her on it through Roseanne Cash, who was also on it. And the track that Cheryl Crow sent was like, well, that, that's a record already. I, I mean, where, whatever she was doing with her guys in Nashville, it was just perfectly Perfect. delivered. Sure. And then others I had to, uh, you know, really get under the hood and sort of bring them up because they were done in somebody's home studio right? Um, and so forth. But it all came out great. But it was, it was a nice challenge to try to glue it all together like that yeah well you did a great job that's a, that's a cool recording yeah so um the uh so the the first part the first part of the, of the process the uh the pre-production you i'm curious about how you go about that with an artist so let's say you artist comes to you they want to make a record they might make a cd a whole whole thing and what's your pre-production process with them well, the first thing I usually do is ask them to send me everything that could possibly be on the record. Like so maybe if, like 20, 25 songs? As many as it might be. I mean, some people don't have enough songs yet, right. and there's that process. And then some people, I remember when I did that um, record with Laurie McKenna, there were 40 songs. To kind the of, Bitter Town? Yeah, mm -hmm. to call through. Which, in some ways, that's why that record is pretty strong writing-wise, because... We, you know, we had a lot of options and choices. Um, so I like to hear everything. I even like to hear songs that aren't done, because if somebody's got a verse and a chorus, and it really strikes me as as, as having potential, then I'll uh, ask them sometimes to finish that and see where that goes. Um, and then, of course, everybody's always concerned about the quality of the demo. And I really don't care at all. Right. You know, it's just whatever. Sing into your phone. It really yeah. doesn't matter to me. This is you can get the gist of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then do you? So how? I wonder how much you do you participate in combing through the songs and go and and uh, like looking at lyrics and stuff like that, or uh, yeah. arrangements? Yeah. So yeah. you make lyric suggestions and or you know, maybe you should take this word out or you know. Right. Well, every, I think every artist, um, almost every artist that I've worked with, you know, you're sort of accentuating their strengths and you're shoring up the weaknesses, which we all have as musicians. Right. Um, so maybe somebody's an amazing lyricist and I don't have to even say anything, like, uh, but they need help playing their guitar a little better in time or something like right. that. Um or it could be a kind of thing where they're just great singers, but sometimes there'll be a clunky line in the lyric or something, and I'll suggest a change. Or it could be the song is too long. You know, if you've right. got a song and it's got seven verses, um, that's a debate that sometimes happens. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, I think producer. If, if people aren't familiar with what producers do. Some of your listeners are, but you know, if if you're not, it's kind of whatever needs to be done, whatever needs to be looked at, or figured out. The producer will help you do that, right? Yeah, yeah. as you know, because you're you've yeah. Done this no, too. I'm always curious about other people's processes too. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I certainly spend 
the the a bulk the you know that's the bulk of my time yeah going through the songs listening a bunch and then going through and yeah making suggestions how things could be tighter and um i mean sometimes sometimes people uh, there's a difference between a recording and a live uh song right, right. i mean so sometimes people really want you know oh let's make the guitar solo you know three t- you know let's right. go around three times and it's like well probably once is enough you know so there's that kind of editing that goes on too exactly yeah, yeah i've run into that too like we we did this on the gig last week right. and it was amazing uh and you always want to weigh in all of these things how the audience sure. responded but like you say making a record's a different process than playing a gig right the goal then the goal is different right the goal is different. The goal is repeated listening, not like right. let's get up and dance once and go home. Right. You know, it's, it's you want to be able to put the record on and listen to it more than once right. and, and really enjoy it. Exactly right. So, uh, one th- let's see, what else do I have on here? Well, uh, so when you and I were talking. Uh, you know, getting ready for this podcast. One of the things we talked about in particular was um, uh, different microphones and um, singing techniques and stuff like that. Uh, And so I was wondering about, uh, let's see, how do I want to phrase this? So I was just hoping to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you have you have a lot you have a lot of uh, thoughts on the subject of singing and recording vocals, and uh, yeah, let's let's delve into that a little bit. Well, you know, as much as I love instrumental music and I've played a fair share of it, I love wonderfully written lyrics with a great song. Right. I just think that's sort of the be all end all, and uh, most of the things I produce are in that category. You know, where they're vocal led. And getting, I'm really into everything, guitar sounds, drum sounds, of course, how to mix things, how to make a song sound sort of fresh and yet rooted in a way, whatever the things may be. But it all really comes back to the vocals and what the person's saying and how they're saying it. And uh, the challenge, I one of the challenges for vocalists is that they don't do this very often. They're only right. they're only recording once or twice a year, once a year maybe at the most, unless they're going into do a little something on a friend's record or something. But most singer songwriters are not professional studio vocalists. Right, that's not their gig. Um, and so, the process in the studio for them can be a little bit off-putting. Uh, you know, a little bit challenging, intimidating, in, intimidating. Yeah. Um, in, in, in different ways and just uh, not having the, not doing it very often. It'd, it'd be like asking me to play a gig once a year on drums. I, I certainly wouldn't feel very comfortable right. doing that. I could I could probably get through it, but... <laughs> it wouldn't be very good. <laughs> I, you know, it'd be like, I certainly wouldn't, uh, you know, the way that I would approach it mentally would be pretty challenged, I think. So, you know, asking a vocalist to come in and sing... There's just a lot of, uh, I think there are a lot of things that go into that. Mm-hmm. Um, you were you were mentioning one thing, you know, one is like finding the right uh, mic for the vocalist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and some of the things that the vocals would do would be 
kind of handled a little, uh, handled a little bit in pre-production, uh, because a lot of times singer songwriters will, they'll write a good song, but they've written sort of a line that's almost impossible to sing. Uh -huh. So they'll have to be a little adjusting there. Right. Um, I don't know if you're a songwriter, so maybe you run into these things now and then where, you know, lyrically this fits, but I've got to take a breath somewhere. Yeah. Right. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. Uh, so some, a lot in the pre-production, you know, some of that stuff can be handled in, in pre-production. Um, and just having a, you know, putting the singer at, at ease and I think, uh, having them really like who they were, who they're working with, um, whether it's an engineer and a producer or a producer who's ha happens to be engineering at the same time be real comfortable and trust trusting of that of that person um well i think uh, some of the some of the problem or some of the uh the intimidation can come from you know the idea that you're supposed to do it in one take you go in there and you sing the song and that's because that's sort of how it's portrayed in movies and videos and stuff people walk in they sing the song and it's done it's magic right it only takes three and a half minutes so what's you know why are we here all day right <laughs> why why are you asking me to do it again yeah <laughs> yeah uh, that that's true uh well there's a lot of dogma about recording yeah you know like this is the way you do it you don't do it this way you do it this way but you don't do it that way and um I, I'm always part of my thinking is to be leery of any sort of dogma about how great music could be made um, because there are a lot of different ways to record. There's a lot of different ways to capture great recording. Um, and sometimes it is a beautiful snapshot of a one-time event. And then other times I always tell people like Strawberry Fields took John Lennon months to write and then they recorded a bunch of different versions and then actually you know as people know put together that version to make the final version and it's a beautiful piece of music so you can't say that there's only one way to make a great sounding track right and um, a singer coming in sometimes you know they're, they're trying to get prepared for the studio and they've talked to some friends or they've talked to their significant other or something mm -hmm. or they've read some things like never do this or never do that or always use this mic or right. whatever um and it's it's good to put all of that aside and just work i think work together with the engineer and the producer and just try to figure out the best way that to keep that the music will sound great i don't know if that's too generalizing but no that's uh, well it's 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 yeah i think it's good for people to know that it, there's no there's no right way to do it no there are some wrong ways to do it, yeah. <laughs> but you know, every, everybody's different and everybody, you know, some people can sing all day long and they, and their voice feels okay. Some people can sing for an hour maybe. And then that's what they got for the day. Right. And so you just have to, and that's, and it, it, it's part of the reason that it's all, it's good to work with a producer. If you can't some an outside, an outside voice, an outside set of ears that can tell you, okay, you know, maybe, maybe we should take a break on this one. That's true. I mean, you can sort of, uh, and it is different from singer to singer, wildly different. Uh, but you can kind of hear the window shutting sometimes um, on whether the voice is at at 100%. And it's usually not 100% on the first or second take. Either right. It takes a little bit to open up. 
But there again, I've had first takes that have just been... That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's that's going to be great. So uh, you can't get too locked in. But yeah, usually there's sort of an upward curve. And some people, like you say, can sing, some of the, can sing all day. The first some of the first records I produced were with Mark Arelli, and I kind of got spoiled because Mark can just sing all day long, and it's all very uh, even too. It's like some folks have a great track and then they kind of slip, and then they do a good one, and then they do a not so good one. Mark was just like we were just doing tracks with the band, and he'd just sing them kind of the same way. All afternoon, you know, right. uh, and I got a little spoiled and realized that not every not every singer has that yeah. that skill. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not my skill. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be mine either. Yeah. Hi, folks. Sorry to interrupt the show, but we'll get back to Lauren in just a second. I want to let you know that these podcasts require an enormous investment of time on my part. Each show takes about forty hours to put together. That includes the research, travel, recording editing, mixing, time to manage the websites, the rewards, and the social media. By contributing as little as $2 a month, you'll be helping me keep the podcast going. Go to patreon.com slash jimhenry, or for a one-time only donation, go to protipsformusicians.com. Every little bit helps. Now let's get back to Lauren. But And, and harmony singing is, is a little different, too, I think, um, the approach, at least for me, uh, the approach, like I, when I do uh, lead vocals, I generally like to do whole takes so I get the whole feel of the song. Um, but when I'm singing harmonies, it's like I, it's pretty choppy. Like I just right. want to get sometimes I just want to get syllables. Right. And it's like it's a different it's a different approach. Yeah, because you're trying to match that phrasing. Right. And uh, and that can that that usually involves a bunch of punching in. Right. So it's that, which, you know, if you've never done that before, it's like, it's, it can be very disorienting. Right. Stopping the song. Yeah. You know, doing a thing, one little section over and over and over again. Well, to me, that gets into, that gets back into that idea of there's a dogma about way, a way to make music soulful and any other way won't work. Um, there is something really special about a full band playing at the same time and just sort of capturing everything. And you and I have done projects like that. Right. Um, but I always feel like if, like if you're doing vocals, for instance, and there's one challenging verse, um, if you're going back and hitting that verse a few times, to me that's not going to be less soulful or less real right. or less genuine or authentic. Right. Because if the if the if there's something happening within the singer, and they can summon that up on the overdub, you know, on the overdubbing part, it's just as soulful as if they sang it all the way through. I yeah. think. Yeah, um, no, that's true. So, I'm a little leery of that sort of thinking. Because once in a while, you're right. I'll bump into that where people think, you know, like they're failing if they don't right. get it right, and then that sort of feeds into a sense of, uh, you know, their own worth or whatever yeah, right. well no it's it's true and it's it's hard i i definitely have that when singing harmony for on some with somebody else in right. recording and it takes me a while it's like i feel bad yeah <laughs> you know and i know i know the process and i know it takes time but i still feel like oh, you know i wish i could do this in one try you know 
Well, I think everybody who walks into the studio, there's something about us as musicians. We do we do want to just sit down and just like, there it is, folks. <laughs> I got the car running. Got to go. Right? <laughs> because you read those stories, right? right. Like the Wrecking Crew, and they just right. would go in and make hits. Oh, man. I don't and, know if you remember this video. Uh, Eddie Murphy, uh, he had that hit was... My baby wants to, likes to party all the time, or oh, something I, like. I remember that. Yeah. The video goes like, like the music is pumping, and Rick James is in the studio, the producer, you know, and and Eddie walks in, you know, right off the street, and girls hanging off him and stuff. Walks in, goes into the booth, sings the song, you know, and walks out, and you know, that's it. Right. You know, and there, I, there's a part of me, you know, that that's what I learned back then. It's like that's how you record. Yeah. I, I can't shake it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I like to look at recording. Uh, well, there's like I said, there's a lot of different ways to record, um, but generally when I'm producing, it's more of an oil painting approach where you're working on a little bit one day, you go back the next, you may add you know, add something else, you'll paint over something else, and uh, that's sort of the uh, the way that I look at uh, creating tracks, also as opposed to like being a photographer and trying to capture one thing in a right in a snapshot uh but it's it's also true with guitarists I, I work with you and kevin barry and duke levine and a lot of great guitarists and they all want to nail the solo right first right off and sometimes that happens but a lot of usually there's a lot of solos that are taken right and everybody's in agreement yeah let me do it again let me do it again i don't yeah and, i think almost every guitar player says oh, i'll do that again yeah, exactly <laughs> so uh as much as we you know, what works live, like going back to that point also, is live, all of these people, it works completely. There's nothing that doesn't work about like one take live and people are moved and cheering and loving it. Right. But something about sitting down and making a record involves a little bit more thought and making sure that the you know there's a melodic flow and a dynamic range and a beginning and an end and... Right. All of the things that you'd want um, in in that in that kind of soloing, we're getting off the vocal thing a little bit, but uh, well, that, but I was just making the point that instrumentalists feel the same way too. Yeah. It doesn't take much to, and it's something that everybody has to guard against. Um, most of my experiences in the studio are really great, but once in a while somebody can just take a dive and just feel like I'm not, I don't have it today, and right. this is going really wrong. And I have felt that way, not lately, but in the past. I remember times I felt like, "Gee, I'm just not cutting it here." Right. And that that can that you know that can be that can be a challenging thing in the studio. You have to really take a deep breath and. Yeah. And, no. Uh, it's it's, yeah. It's highly personal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's keep going. Actually, with the the uh, the many the many. Uh, solos the many overdubs the, and we'll get back to the vocals in a minute but but let's talk more about guitar yeah right well i know i i wanted to ask you about this too um you the times i've worked with you you know you'll we'll do certain things in a song we'll do them a many 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 times uh the solo or even just little phrases or whatever and you know you have and i was talking to kevin barry about this on one of the podcasts right. um and but then at some point you have to go back and go through all that stuff, right? Yes. Sometimes 20, 20 takes of one little section. Right. And so you have... Do or you, more. Or more, right. I mean, or less, it, you know. 
But you are the, you're the kind of guy, like you said, you like to get, it's like a painter. You like getting, or a sculptor, I don't know what. But right. You get all the pieces and then you, but then you have to wade through all that stuff, which is a lot of work. Right. In that, in the mixing, I guess. It, yeah, there, I, you know, you were talking about stages of recording. There's an in-between stage there, like you said, like basics, overdubbing. And then I would put editing in there and then mixing. Because the editing stage for me is often the most time-consuming and the time where the, the record can take the most shape. Right. So if you're comping a vocal or, or uh, deciding what guitar part to use or edit out. So do you do all, you make all those decisions before you mix? Yes, yeah. And then the mixing to me, I, mostly, I mean, there's there's always a little bit of overlap in that. Right. That's... But usually by the time I sit down to to actually mix, I want all of that behind me. And I just want to be listening to the sonics of right. it. And then as I mix, I mean, like, then as, as I mix, I'll go, wow, now that I'm mixing, that guitar is really not quite working like that. So you can go back. So I can go back and adjust it. But most of the editing... In the same way, like a movie editing process, most of the editing is done before the the uh, the, the mixing. The mixing part, yeah. I mean, I kind of combine. I don't do I don't do as much mixing as you do, um, but when I do mix, it's yeah, it's sort of editing and mixing are the same stage. But right. It you know, but if you it, it you know it makes sense. Like if you're gonna, I have a project now where I'm gonna send it out to be mixed, so I'm gonna do all the editing. So right. I'll, I'll have to add another finger to my. My five finger uh, right, yeah. <laughs> approach. It doesn't fit on one hand. <laughs> Damn, it was so easy before. So, well, let's get back to to uh, vocals. Sure. And, and uh, let me just say one other thing about sure. that. That, if I could, uh, before the. Uh, I actually like the editing process a lot. Well, that's and, what I was getting. And at. people will. I can't tell you. I mean, almost to a person, people will apologize. <laughs> I'm giving you too much stuff. This is going to be so much work. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I actually like that process. I, I because you find little things that that you just want to keep in right. that only happen one little time, but it's this little magical phrase or something. Right. And that that's a lot of fun to call through and find. And the other main reason for doing it that way for me, I'm not, it's not the only way I record, but when I do that process of multiple takes on things, vocals or instruments, um, is that it allow, I like to allow the player or the singer the freedom to just express themselves as opposed to saying, okay, I need to punch you in here, 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 and here to get this solo eight-bar thing just right. I'd rather have them just sort of play freely and then I'll go back later and sort of make sure it all gels together because I think musicians can uh, kind of shut down if you get too heavy-handed on the uh, the suggestion thing. There's some of that, but if I start doing that constantly to you as a guitarist, it's just going to you're going to start to lock up. Right. And so that's one that's the other reason for the multiple takes is to just let people express themselves right and at the same time kind of hearing that it's it's all there right you know? well it's just i i give you a lot of credit because i know how much work that is to go through that it stuff. is it is a lot of work but like i said it's uh it really is enjoyable and all the people that i work with are so talented um 
present company accepted. <laughs> no. <laughs> that it's just, it's, it's a real pleasure. You yeah. Know? yeah. I mean, occasionally I'll be working with somebody who's, who, you know, maybe a singer-songwriter who's not a great guitarist, and, and then I have to sort of shore that up and make sure that we've got enough takes to make it record-worthy right. and all of that. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, I'm a, uh, I think, uh, getting back to the singer kind of thing, I think uh, in a general sense that um, singer-songwriters are kind of poets first, and then they're singers, and then they're guitarists, and then they know a little bit about the other stuff that makes music, but they're mostly thinking about what they're saying mm -hmm. and, and singing it, and sometimes they need a little bit more help with the other parts of the process. On the other hand, there are some amazing singer-songwriters that are amazing guitarists, too, like Katie Curtis, who's a great right. guitarist. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's let's get into this vocal thing. Sure. So we were talking about... You're a vocalist. I'm a... <laughs> but now, now, I'm, now I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so we were talking about trying out um, some different mics. Right. Right, and just to give people a sense of what different mics might sound like on your voice and why you might, you know, want to spend the time and have the conversations with the engineer or the producer about what mic to use. Right. Um, so, so, so let's talk about, uh, different types of microphones and the, yeah. and, and the, and the, the effect they have on the voice. Yeah. Well, we've set up, uh, you brought your Neumann 87 with you, uh, which is a classic, large diaphragm condenser mic. We mm -hmm. also have a cardioid SM7, which is also a very common mic that people use in the studio. And then also a, um, a, a ribbon mic, which are, that basically covers the, the three different types of mics that a singer would be going into. There's obviously many different models and brands, but that's, that's kind of what you're trying to look for when you're singing and you haven't sung too much in the studio you're trying to figure out what mics really work well on your voice right so there's a di there's a dynamic there's a ribbon and there's the condenser the condenser yeah. mic okay so which uh which which shall we try first uh let's go with the um the ribbon mic ribbon mic, which okay. uh by its nature is sort of darker and richer well i'm really uh i'm actually really curious because i typically use because that's the best mic i have is that i use that neumann yeah and uh so at, at, at this point we don't have anything processed at all no compression no eq no reverb just to kind of hear the the mic if we if we put a lot of stuff on it right away it'd be very hard to hear what the differences are so uh even without the guitar this is the uh, ribbon well grandpa gave me a wheat penny and i put it in my pocket I had big plans in my backyard to build me a space rocket. And then just to sort of see what the Neumann sounds like. Well, Grandpa gave me a wheat penny and I put it in my pocket. I had big plans in my backyard to build me a space rocket. First impressions, Jim? First impressions, the, uh, the ribbon sounds a little thicker. It does. That's why people like them. Yeah. It's got this uh, sort of a warmer quality to it. And in the age of uh, digital recording, people are looking for all sorts of ways, whether through tubes and ribbons and transformers, to add, you know, girth and warmth to uh -huh. the sound. And uh, that's one reasons. That's one of the reasons they've become so popular. 
Um, so it's the the Neumann sort of accentuates a very different frequency of right. your voice. Right. Whereas I, the I mean, ribbon, I have, I have a, you know, I have sort of a lower baritone kind right. of thing. So, but the ribbon really sort of makes that shine. Right. The lower stuff. Right. Uh, and then the SM7. Let's hear that. Well, Grandpa gave me a wheat penny and I put it in my pocket. I had big plans in my backyard to build me a space rocket. Now that compared to the ribbon. Well, Grandpa gave me a wheat penny and I put it in my pocket. I had big plans in my backyard to build me a space rocket. It's similar, really. It's it's pretty similar. Uh, there's still a little bit more girth on the ribbon. Right. Uh, but you can see why people find SM7s very helpful in the sure. studio. Yeah, because they, they're they're certainly more affordable than yeah than yeah the they're, yeah they're like three or four hundred dollars. Let's. I'm curious about the about the high part now of the song. What, how the ribbon handles oh, right. that the, on uh, the chorus part. The, this would be the the ribbon on the chorus, and I was riding the levels a little bit, so you'll hear a little bit of leveling difference. Cause you got to keep your heart young. Well, don't go growing old. Before your time has come, you can't take back what you have done. You got to keep your heart young. You definitely there's not as much on the high end. Right. Yeah. Which okay. uh, normally and almost always would be added through EQ. Right. We could have uh, set it up with outboard EQ, which I sometimes do, right in, kind of find the sweet spot and everything kind of record directly the way you'd like it. But a lot of times uh, people just record it direct in with the mic right. and, and EQ after the fact more when they're mixing and stuff yeah. so that it works. So here's the uh, here's a little bit of that again and then I'll play the Neumann. This is the ribbon again. Cause you got to keep your heart young. Well don't go growing old before your time has come. So that's the ribbon, and this is the Neumann. Cause you got to keep your heart young. Oh, don't go growing old before your time has come. You huh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, I like it better. I like the Neumann better on the higher stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, there's, I mean. It's interesting. For something that, that needs to sort of cut out, cut cut through in a kind of a brash way on that chorus. Right. The ribbon without any EQ or something doesn't qu wouldn't quite cut it. Right. Uh, but let me just, it, just for kick, I'll, kicks, I'll add a little bit of EQ on the ribbon. Because you got to keep your heart young. Well, don't go growing old before your time has come. You can't take... So let's try that a little bit again. So here's without the uh, without the, without a little EQ. This is adding a little top end on the EQ. Cause you got to keep your heart young. And then with some EQ. Cause you got to keep. Yeah, it opens it up. Your heart young. Well, don't go growing old before your time has come. So yeah, now play the uh, Neumann. Your heart young. Oh, don't go growing old 
Before your time has come, you can't take back. Interesting. Yeah, it still gives you a little bit more of that bite that you don't get from the ribbon. Right. Uh, so it could be on a record. Like, say you, say you were doing a song that needed more of that energy, where maybe the Neumann or the... Uh, we'll, look at, we'll listen to the... Um, SM7 at this section in a minute. But it could be like, maybe you have a ballad where it's mostly lower baritone stuff and the ribbon really, right. your voice really shines on that. Right. And then maybe there's a little more uh, song more like this where you want that that back, backwoods hollering yeah, kind right. of thing yeah. where you want it, it needs to cut through. Right. You know? Well, so could um, you, could you th thicken up the Neumann? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. you could kind of, you can also, you can get where you need to get with any of these mics, basically. Right. Right. It's just a question of how you want to, how you want to, how you want to get there. Yeah. And the, and, and I think the starting point helps. Sure. You don't want to start too far away from right. like, gee. <laughs> yeah. The less you yeah, have to do to it, I'll the make better. this work somehow kind of thing. Right. Uh, and, and some mics just work really well with particular voices. Right. Um, and once a singer sort of can, can get a, gain a little bit of knowledge about that. It, it can be helpful. Sure. So you could walk into a studio after doing a, some records and some sessions, and you could say, well, you know what? What seems to really work on my voice is a 67 or something. And they may go, oh, I've got that. Let's do it. But let's try this other thing first, because I haven't. So you, you, you want to have a general idea, but you don't want to be too locked in that right. you're not open to, right. to something that might even be. So, yeah, let's hear the, let's hear the, the dynamic mic. So this is the SM7. Because you got to keep your heart young. Well, don't go growing old before your time has yeah, come. You bit, can't take to my back. Ears, a little duller, um, just generally. Right. Right. Just, I mean, and it's you know, it's got a little more of that low end, but it's 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 not as it's not as creamy and rich and as clear as the low end on the on the ribbon mic. Right. Right. So, yeah. But you can see how for songs where you have to shout a little bit, sure. it sort of handles that fine. And right. then you can go in and compress it and EQ it. Um, so it it's really hard to miss with an SM7. There, there are detractors. There are people that don't like them. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, uh, it just seems like it's a good mic to have around because it's it it it, it will almost always do it do something at least adequate you know right uh, well you've, I'm sold I'm gonna get one <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it, you, you know you have different singers into your place yeah. and like yeah. I was saying it, it it could go song to song it could be like well this sounds this song this mic sounds better on this song right for me you know right. kind of thing. Um, so cool. Well, uh, well, thanks for doing that. That's I. I don't know if anybody else will find it fascinating, <laughs> but I find it very fascinating. Does it qualify as a pro tip? That's what I want. I think so. I mean, this all the whole pro tip thing is is morphed a little bit from from a specific set of pro tips to just pro tips in general. Right. As mostly, it's about me talking to people who I'd like to talk to yeah. <laughs> about various stuff. So. Yeah, and I, I think I think in. Along with the lines of the pro tip thing is you're trying to help folks out uh, that maybe don't have quite as much experience uh, in the studio or on stage or whatever. And this certainly qualifies as that. If people can learn a little bit 
more about it and actually hear examples right. uh, that are very dry and unrecord-like. I mean, right. you're, it's brave of you to let your voice out there without <laughs> any reverb or yeah, any, any EQ or any compression well, or whatever. I mean, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and this is valuable information for right. me. Right. You know, what we just did. I like that. That S, what is it, S7? SM7. SM7? Yeah. It's a great mic. Technically the SM7B, but... <laughs> but who's uh, counting? But, but who's, <laughs> that's too long. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, it, well, that's the other thing about music. It's always learning. You know, you've, never oh, yeah. even, you've never even scratched the surface. I spent about the last three days re-miking up the drums here in my studio, just trying all sorts of different, uh, different permutations and mics and different pre's with different mics just to kind of get the drums sounding a little bit more inspired you know so like you said it just listening and going in there's, there's always a lot to learn on on, on what you can yeah. do to record well it's never ending well it's a uh, yeah i mean i made a decision a long time ago that i didn't want to get so involved in recording you know to to do, go down the rabbit hole so i just have i have enough stuff to do what i need to do right right so but there's you know there's a whole, that's a whole other world. Right. Right. So, but if even if you have a little bit of knowledge, it helps when you go in to feel a little bit less intimidated. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I always tell every musician, whether they're singers or guitarists or bass players, if you have any inclination at all to record at home, you're living in the right age to do yeah. it. Because it's not, as things go, it's not that expensive right. to go get a pretty decent mic with, with the, with the uh, software and, and some sort of interface that's got enough quality that you can actually um, experiment with. Right. And it doesn't mean you have to become uh, an engineer or mix records, but that, that knowledge can be really helpful yeah. to people. Um, that the, uh, the first month, it's a steep learning curve. Like, you know, it's like learning Quicken or something. That right. first month is not fun. <laughs> but then after that, you're cruising along, you're overdubbing, you're trying it out harmonies, you're sending little demos to people. Right. You know, it's uh, I recommend that to everybody. Not everybody wants to go do that, and that's fine. Uh, but uh, it's it's a great thing to do. Yeah, it's empowering. Yeah. Too, you know, to be able to do that on your own. So. Well, I I found this very very helpful. Well, thanks, Jim. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm glad you could do this. I always enjoy talking with you, and uh, you're one of my favorite people, one of my favorite musicians in the area. Oh, thank and, you. And uh, it's just. Always great to gig with you, record with you, hang with you. <laughs> well, then you're going to be back on this show soon. <laughs> no, that's great. So, well, uh, so let me formally thank you for being on the Pro Tips podcast. And uh, let's, uh, if it's okay, let's play another tune for, for our outro. Oh, do we know another one? Uh, well, we not yet, but we will. We will soon. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, for, for our little outro tune, let's do the classic Chuck Berry song, Memphis. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Let's see how this goes. Message 
and get in touch with my Marie. She's the only one who'd call me here from Memphis, Tennessee. Her home is on the south side, high up on the ridge, just a half a mile from that Mississippi bridge. Thanks for listening to the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast. To find out more about Lauren, visit him online at laurenentress.com. To order your copy of the Pro Tips book or to make a one-time only donation to the podcast, go to protipsformusicians.com. To become a sustaining member, go to patreon.com slash jimhenry. Thanks for listening.